0: Are we? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Merry Christmas! I heard uh, many of you guys walking up, going Happy Thanksgiving, and I'm like, That's just old news. That's like that was like last week. Like it's 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 Christmas season. You you excited for Christmas? We excited for Christmas? Man, it's going to be a great season here. Just like Jordan was talking about Christmas Eve services, it's, it's, it's going to be a great opportunity for you guys to invite a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a family member that's going to be in town. And, and we believe that through Christmas Eve, that people are going to fall more in love with Jesus. We're gonna continue the mosaic theme through Christmas Eve. And so what we're gonna do on Christmas Eve is we're gonna bring in all the little pictures and stories of Jesus of Christmas Day and bring them all together. Because Christmas wouldn't be Christmas if it wasn't with, with the virgin birth. Jesus wouldn't be Jesus if he wasn't born where he was born. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas. Christmas. The story of Jesus would be insufficient, insufficient without the, all the small stories of Christmas. So we're gonna bring that to you guys on Christmas. If if you are new here and you're just joining us, we're in a series called Mosaic. Can you say Mosaic? Mosaic. Mosaic Mosaic. is just this big picture that is compiled of small pictures. And for the last three or four weeks, we've talked about the different mosaics of Jesus, the different descriptions of Jesus, the different names and characteristics of Jesus. We start off with week one with that Jesus is the son of man. That without knowing that Jesus came, that he was the son of man who identifies with us, we wouldn't have a clear picture of who Jesus was. We we talked about rabbi Jesus, teacher Jesus, that that Jesus came to teach us. And that he chose us to be followers of him. And and if we were just to take that picture of Jesus and only that picture of Jesus, man, we would fail to see the whole picture of Jesus. Last week we talked about Jesus being the lamb of God and that Jesus sacrificed his life so we could have life. And, and if, we just, if we just took that picture and only that picture, I, I think we would fail in our lives as believers. And, and today we, we get to talk about Jesus as Lord. Now, now, now again, if, if we were just to take this characteristic of Jesus and we were just to have a one-off series on this one alone, every single one of us, I think, would walk out of here going, oh my goodness, this is rough. And this is tough, because we've all dealt with control in our lives, right? Have you ever said the phrase, hey, stop lording over me? Now hopefully it wasn't your spouse. But we've all used that phrase. We've all talked about and sensed control in our lives. We don't want to be controlled. And it's actually the opposite, that you and I, we want to control ourselves, we want to live our life today. We want to live our life as a husband, as a wife, as a single person, as a child. And we want the full control. I mean, that's what society tells us. Hey, hey, hey you do you. It's only you. You get to decide. You have enough control in your life to be, to do anything you want and anything you want to do. But the reality is, is, is that's not true. Because there's been times in your life that you had full control and it failed. There were times in your life that you actually put one foot in front of the other, you made those business deals and then now you're without a job. There were times in relationships that you thought you were giving it all, that you were in charge, you were coming up with the ideas, you were loving him or her well or your kids well, but then what happened? They walked away. And so the reality of, of, of us in this room today is, is that I, think, I think we understand and know that you and I, we can't be in control of our own lives. But I think the thing that we have tension with is, well, what is? You and I get that you, you and I are insufficient. Like we, we, just, we just can't do it. But the reality is, is that, that something in our lives is controlling us, is lording over us. Now, now, when I first started thinking about uh, lording and the word Lord, uh, two main things come to mind, Lord of the Rings, any Lord of the Rings fans in the house today? Lord of the Rings, I'm not, um, I, the, here, Here's here's Lord of the Rings, I, I kind of have to be because my last name is Rohan, not Rohan, there's some writers of Rohan there, I don't know if they're good people or bad people, but don't judge me for the writers of Rohan, but when you think of Lord of the Rings, and I think I read the book in high school my senior year, um, but uh, I I don't fully understand it, right? People are fighting over the rings. Is there one ring? Is there lots of rings? Is the ring good or bad? Do you want the power over the ring? Do some people want it? Some people want to throw it away. I, I, I get confused. Now, you guys are way smarter than me, so I'm sure you've got it all figured out. But when we think of the lordship of Jesus, if we were just to take the idea of lord of the rings and apply that to Jesus, you might be confused too. Is there this fight over lordship over our lives? Is, is there's this thing happening in our lives that's going to dictate who's going to be lord over our life and if we were just to take that film or that picture maybe you and I would be confused and, and then there's this other one Shrek right we have Lord Farquaad right and Lord Farquaad is just this little, little guy and if you know the story right like he, he's trying to save Fiona he wants to marry Fiona so he can be lord he can be king he can be in charge of it all what does he do He's too scared. He's too afraid to go rescue Fiona on his own. So so he gets Shrek and a donkey to go rescue Fiona to bring her back to us. And many of us in in this room, maybe you look at Jesus in heaven and go, man, Jesus, you're so far away. Like, you really want to be Lord over my life? You're sending other people or you're sending this church, but, but have you sent yourself to pursue me, to find me, to save me? And the answer is yes. (laughs) That Jesus, he he didn't go like, hey, I'm going to appoint these two, you know, like these these, these crazy guys over here to kind of save the world. What, What did Jesus do? He stepped out of heaven to earth. And he fought after you and he sought after you. There's Lord of the Flies. I don't even know what that is. But if we were to take the word Lord, and how we've experienced in our lives, and we were to apply that to Jesus, man, I think we miserably fail. And so today, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna unravel the lordship of Jesus to us this morning. But before I do that, let me pray for us before we jump into the scripture. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this place. Thank you so much for Thanksgiving, and then it's over and we're moving towards Christmas. And I pray, Jesus, that, that man, you speak clearly in this room I pray, Jesus, that you interpret my words into the souls and the hearts of the people in this room and online, and I pray, Jesus, that we can grow closer to you because of our time together here today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see in in the Roman uh, world in the first century that, that Caesar was Lord, that Caesar was king. And in the Roman world, everyone bowed down to Caesar, not just as the king, the political figure, but they actually believed Caesar was God. And Caesar himself believed and wanted people to believe that he was God. And so in the first century, when believers first started hitting the road and started talking about Jesus, they threw the world upside down. And we got to understand the significance of of, of what the cultural lordship was in the day to to really understand the significance of what Jesus said, what Jesus did, and what his followers said about him. That that in in this society, in this culture, in Rome, everyone looked to Caesar. Everyone bowed down to Caesar. Everyone called Caesar Lord. And if you were to do the opposite, well, you get in trouble. Sometimes you'd get murdered. Sometimes you'd lose your job and your money and your assets and your things. Caesar so desperately wanted to be Lord. N.T. Wright says this. He goes, to come to Rome with the gospel of Jesus, to announce someone else's accession to the world's throne, was to put on a red coat and walk into a field with an angry bull. But this is what the early church did. This is what the first believers, they they chose to put on the red coat, walk into the arena of Rome, and declare that Jesus was Lord. As we look back, you and I, most of us know in this room that, that we were able to love and follow Jesus because of the early church because of their pursuit of people and because of of, of their missionary efforts but like I wonder if the church and the people of Jesus exploded in such a way is because everyone put on the red jacket They, they, they didn't hit the streets running and we're going to see this later they didn't hit the streets running declaring Jesus as savior they didn't hit the streets running going hey 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 Jesus he's the son of man They didn't hit the streets running and and walk into Rome and go, hey, Jesus, he's the Lamb of God. They did all those things, but the predominant noun and the adjective and the description of Jesus used in the early church, well, it was Lord. And I wonder in our culture today, in the baggage that we carry, that maybe our churches aren't exploding Maybe you're not seeing Jesus move in an extraordinary way in your life, in your family, in your work. Because C- maybe you and I, we, we've kind of pushed the lordship of Jesus away. And maybe you and I, we've kind of leaned into something maybe a little more comfortable, lean into a name that's a little bit more feel good. And the hope of today is that we bring the lordship of Jesus back. Now, now Peter, he he was a disciple of Jesus. And and so Jesus, he he died. um, He he rose again. He he hung out with his people for a while. and, And then he went back to heaven. And Peter had the opportunity to preach the first message in Acts chapter 2. is incredible. I just I can't understand the, the butterflies that he had. It was the first gospel presentation. It was the first time somebody declared that, man, this Jesus, he died, he rose again, and now he's in heaven. He's come to save the world. And, and, he, and he, he says this in the closing. When he has everyone in the palm of his hand, Peter says this. He goes, let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain That God has made both Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter's going at the end of his gospel presentation. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands, of people are around him. He goes, I want you to know this. If you can leave this place and know one thing, I want you to know that Jesus, He's not just God, but Jesus is Lord. And then he kind of threw in a little jab. He's like, Yeah, this is the dude that you killed. The guy that you murdered, the guy that you chose, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, he's God and he's Lord. And this was such a massive deal because, because the, the, the early church in the first century, they, they knew that, that God described himself as Lord all throughout the, the Old Testament you ever open your Bible you turn it right to the middle of your Bible you look at the book of Psalms and you start reading it it refers to, to the Lord the Lord the Lord and how majestic is the Lord and now Jesus himself and Peter's going hey the God of the old testament the one true God Yahweh he's actually Jesus oh yeah and you murdered him I mean the early church was was so psyched about this that in Acts chapter 10, 36, Peter just keeps on preaching. He he goes, As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. In two of Peter's messages, one we see that Jesus is Lord. It's clear. That Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is in complete authority. That Jesus is CEO, and, and, and no one's ever going to jump him on the corporate ladder. And then later on, Peter's like, no, 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 he, he's not just Lord, but, but he's Lord of all. He's not just a Lord. He's not just a God. He's not just a guy with authority. Like the, he, he's Lord of everything. He, he's Lord of lords. Peter and the other church recognized that the other people, just like us today, that we look for other things to, to lead us and control us. And those, those things become lords in our life. And, and Peter just d- doesn't just dismiss all of that. The early church doesn't just go, hey, 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 guys, just forget about everything else and just focus on the Lord. They're going, hey, I recognize there's other things v- vying for your lordship. But Jesus, he's, he's the Lord of lords. And in Acts 15, we we see how dangerous of a message this was. In verse 26, it says, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the early church beat this like a drum. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And they would walk into Rome. They, They would declare that Jesus is Lord. And some men some of our spiritual ancestors, they lost their life fighting for the lordship of Jesus. Quick question. When is the last time you even thought about Jesus as Lord? When is the last time you considered or spent some time on like Jesus, the ultimate ruler of your life? Jesus as the ultimate authority of your life. Because the other church, man, they, they they fought for it. And we see this as a pattern as Paul and through the letters to the early church, like in the very beginning of these letters, they, they would refer to Jesus as Lord. And I just want to go through a couple of them. Hang on tight to the Galatians in Galatians one three. It says, Grace to you and peace from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 1, 2, says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the, uh, the early church is writing letters to the church and right off the top that they want people to know hey this is a letter and i'm sending you greetings from jesus now that it gets interesting that they don't just go hey i'm sending letters from jesus who was crucified or who is the messiah but but they go over and over again that this is the lord jesus christ to the church in philippi grace to you and peace from our god father and the lord Jesus Christ, in Colossians, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father. We always thank you, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who are in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I could keep on going. In the early church, they did. Now, I think it brings us the question of of, of why do they focus so much on the lordship of Jesus? Why did the early church care so much about the control, about the power, about the eliteness of Jesus as Lord? One, Jesus told them, Jesus says in, in, in Matthew 28, he says, All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Now in code talk, Jesus didn't come out and just say, Hey, I am Lord, but he's going to do I, I am the one with the utmost authority. I am Lord. I am God. I, I am the Lord of the Old Testament. I am Yahweh. And, and we also see that, that the early church saw the Lordship of Jesus through how Jesus lived. I think many of us we, we battle through the Lordship of Jesus because. We hear the stories of Jesus dying on a cross and being our savior. But, but today, this last month, these, these last few years, maybe you and your life, you haven't collided with Jesus as Lord. And these early disciples, these other followers, I mean, they saw it. They saw that Jesus was Lord over sin. They saw that Jesus was in complete control of sin. We know as Christ followers that, that Jesus, he never sinned. That, that when he was tempted, that, that, that he was in full authority and he never bowed down to sin. We see that, that Jesus was, was, was Lord over sickness. Have you read the stories in the New Testament where Jesus would, would heal guys with leprosy or, or men who were blind or, or women who were sick? And just like we talked about a couple weeks ago with, with, with Jesus as rabbi, the disciples, they were right there in the midst of the dust of the healing. And so, so they understood, that they came to grips and said, wow, Jesus has authority and he's Lord. They saw that Jesus was Lord over, over fear and anxiety. You remember the disciples in the boat? They're freaking out. They're losing their minds. And then Jesus comes strolling up on the scene and calms the storms and calms their anxiety. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was stressed so much that blood was pouring from his face? He was anxious. He he was nervous. But but what what did he do? He he conquered it. He he didn't walk away from the cross, He, he didn't throw in the towel. He didn't give in to the anxiety and and the fear of what was going to happen next. So so we see, and the disciples saw that that, that, that Jesus, he was was Lord over fear and anxiety. We we see that Jesus was Lord over death. We see throughout scripture that Jesus, that that, that guys and and women, they were dead. And Jesus would walk up and, and bring them back to life. And we see Jesus in his own life. He was crucified. He was actually murdered. He actually stopped breathing. The the, the, the heart pulse in his body was zero. And then Jesus, he he defeated death. And so so I'm I'm, I'm looking back at the early stories of Jesus and and I'm trying to understand the significance of Lordship. It, It makes a little bit more sense to me. Well, in Jesus' day, he proved it over and over again. And then I got to sit back in my life and go, well, Jesus, when have you proved it to me? And I had this this conflict this week of going, man, I I so desperately, Jesus, I I want you to be ruler of my life. Jesus, I, I so desperately... I." I want you to have the full authority. But I, maybe just, maybe he hasn't shown up in these lordship ways because I haven't fully given him the lordship. Maybe the missing ingredient of Jesus is doing something just radical in your life, in your marriage, in your work, in your thought life. Is you and I, we, we fully submit To the lordship of Jesus. We see that that Jesus should rule our lives. In Romans 10, 9, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, I I think this brings in another tension in our lives. Because we, we can't just use Jesus as Savior if we refuse him as Lord. Like I said earlier, thank, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross so I could have life and relationship with God the Father. I, I, I so desperately needed it. I, I so desperately desire it. There, there's no other hope if Jesus doesn't die. And many times in my life, and maybe yours, we so focus on Jesus as Savior, as the man who died, that we refuse him to lead our lives. And the scripture is very clear in Romans. It doesn't say declare him as Savior. It says confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In the, in the book of Acts, Acts refers to Jesus as Lord, over and over and over. The early church refers to Jesus in the books of Acts as Savior just, just, just two times. But I think us, we refer to Jesus as Savior over and over and over and over. And maybe just a few times in our lives we look at Jesus as Lord. In Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, it says this, it says, therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you were to read the whole chapter of Philippians 2, you get to see the picture of, of Jesus humbling himself coming from heaven to earth, living a selfless lifestyle, serving everyone that he came in contact with. And he goes, therefore, because of that, because of you leaving the throne of heaven, because of the way you selflessly served us, therefore, because of that, God highly exalted. He He didn't just kind of exalt he didn't just partially exalt. This is word highly exalted. This is the only time it's used in Scripture. Nothing higher. Nothing greater. That Jesus, that He's, he's highly, highly exalted. And when Paul says this in verses 9 through 11, he, did you catch it? He said, Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That Jesus is Lord. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, there's going to come a day where you and I are going to be on our knees, whether we're in heaven, whether we're on earth, or where we're in a place we don't want to be. And we're going to bow our knees and declare that Jesus is Lord. Now, until the Lordship is settled in your life, heaven's going to stay far away from you. I think Jesus will give us a glimpse of heaven if we obey his lordship. Because what Jesus wants for our lives, he wants for our lives on earth to be good. He wants for our lives here on earth to be safe. He wants you to have joy. (laughs) He wants you to be full of love. He wants all these things for you but, but if we don't follow Jesus as Lord we won't get there and we know once we get to heaven that, that, that we're going to have the most joy that we've ever had in our lives we're going to feel the most love that we've, we've ever felt in our entire lives and Jesus is going I want you to have just like a glimpse of that a picture of that here but, but, but to have that you've got to see me, you got to you gotta view me as Lord. Bowing the knee is, is a symbolic of, of surrendering your life, your thing to Jesus. And so, so maybe some of us in our lives, we view Jesus as Savior, we understand him as Lord. But but, but maybe some of us in this room, we, we need to bow our finances to him. And we need to say, Jesus, we want you to be in complete control of my money. And maybe you need to start your generosity journey today. Maybe on the way home, we need to ask each other, how do we spend our money? Is Jesus leading the way? Husbands, wives, maybe on the way home today, maybe you need to ask each other, just just don't best time to have a hard conversation is driving because you don't have to look at each other often husbands you can say hey do we believe that Jesus is Lord over our marriage don't go straight home <laughs> what would that look like for you for your singleness are you so desperately want to fill that gap with another person and And maybe you need to ask yourself, Jesus, are you Lord over my singleness? Are you leading the way? Your thoughts? Jesus, these thoughts, I I don't want them. I want you to have them. I I I want you to lead the way in my thoughts. The way I treat people. Maybe some of us, we need to have a conversation with our best friend and just ask them, how do I treat others? Are my relationships, are are they a reflection of Jesus leading me? Because you and I, we both know that one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. And this is why I love our church. This is why I love that in the, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of the pandemic, we, we press the gas pedal. This is why we planted a campus down in Sandy Springs. Because we know one day the, those dudes, those, those girls in Sandy Springs, they're going to be bowing their knees to Jesus, but, but it may be too late. So pandemic, no, 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 we're, we're going to push forward. This is why we're going to go to Nicaragua and spend thousands and tens of thousands of dollars in the middle of a pandemic to build a church for people that, that one day, every nation, every tongue, they're gonna bow and say, we're not, we're, not, we're not gonna wait. This is why we have a leadership development program. This is why we believe in the Nalgene, in this age of deconstruction of young people be giving permission to, to go back to their roots and trying to deconstruct their faith and reconstruct it however they want. Like, this is why we ask for your money every Sunday. Because you and I, we, we, we know that your neighbors, your coworkers, our cities across the nation, that, that one day every knee's gonna bow. And I don't wanna be in heaven and go, ah, I just cruised. I was on autopilot. We were part of a good church, a good organization. We did good things. I wanna look before Jesus as a pastor and as a husband, as a father, as a neighbor, and go, Jesus, I did everything. I so desperately want everyone in heaven to bow their knees and confess you as Lord, but I know to be in heaven, they have to confess your lordship today. So I have one ask for you. I I got two. (laughs) One, this week, when? When are you gonna bow your knees in honoring the Lordship of Jesus? When? Think about it, write it down, open your phones, grab the pen, write it on your hand, write it on your wife's hand, your spouse's hand, your friend's hand, you're doing it Tuesday at noon, I don't know what you're doing, I'm just gonna do it. And what are you, what am I going to do this week to enter into conversation with those around us. Are we gonna ask the very specific question, hey, (laughs) my crazy pastor, he gave me the sermon, he made me do it, but I I believe in Jesus as savior and I I believe Jesus is Lord and and the Bible says that every knee will bow one day and profess that Jesus, he's he's Lord. And so, what are your thoughts on that? you have a conversation with someone. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe you wanna invite them to Christmas Eve. But church, one day every knee will bow. One day every person will confess. Your coworkers, your family, your neighbors, your nieces, your nephews your grandparents they all have a chance and maybe just maybe we can explode our families in this church in this city like the early church maybe every introduction every time you pick up the phone like they they wrote the letters to the other church hey Jesus Christ he's the Lord he's the Lord how can I help you I, I don't know what needs to change in our lives but I so desperately want to be in heaven and I want to see the people I love I care about I wanna see everyone bowing on their knees before Jesus, going, Jesus, you're my Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, you've given us a crazy mission. Jesus, you you wanna control my life? You you wanna be leader? You wanna be ruler? You want supreme authority? And I, I pray Jesus that every morning this week, I, I just wake up and go, Jesus, you're my Lord. You need to be my Lord. I will lean into your Lordship. I, I will obey your commands. And I pray Jesus, if there's anybody in this room, if there's anybody online Maybe they just need to bow their knees now and surrender their life. Say, Jesus, I've I've tried it. I've done it. It's not working. I need to do something different. And I pray, Jesus, that as they view you as Lord, that you radically change their life. And then if there's anyone in this room or online who, who wants to turn their life over to the Lordship of Jesus, just tell them. Say something like, Jesus, we be my Lord. I believe you died for me. I believe you pursued me. And I I believe you want to lead me. And I believe you have the ultimate authority. Jesus, you are Lord. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. just in an act of obedience just a way to celebrate if that was you this morning I want you to raise your hand and look at me on the count of three if you've given your life to Jesus for the very first time ready one two three yeah Jesus be with us help us follow you help us submit to you help us believe you want the best for us